Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzato. I'm Vicki Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Today we're going to look at the ITV series, The Ipcris File. It's out already in the UK and soon will be out in the US and many other countries. So we've had the privilege of being able to preview some of these series episodes. And we're going to talk about what we think of that right now. All right, let's go. So we've talked about this series for a while now in, with a lot of anticipation because we liked the movie The Ipcris File and we were anticipating what having a longer time frame to show the message was going to do for the quality and what we actually saw. I personally was like totally geeked out about there's this whole scene in the book about an atoll that happens <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the series and they do go to the atoll here. So this is good. And one of the things they've done here that I really like about this is there's what happens in the book what happens in the movie and what happens on the TV series aren't necessarily the same. There's right. the same overarching. These are the main things that happen. Yeah. That happens there, there, yeah. There's twists about how they actually deliver them. The ending is very different in the TV show mm -hmm. than the, than the movie and the book, but given the timing, they couldn't really have done the ending. They did back in 1965 when they released this, but I liked how they, did this weaving in and out of nods back to this was in the movie, this was in the book and that, that kind of thing. So it was, it was kind of nice. And you would see a scene and it was like, that wasn't what the book had, but it kind of was. And so it felt familiar with it still being new and fresh, which was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing I wanted to point out up front is that in our previous episode on this, I talked about the fact that they had said something in the press conference about the cinematography and quirky angles. Uh -huh. And that had me very nervous. My fear was misguided because yeah. I actually, there were, there were quirky angles, but it yeah. didn't detract no. from it. Oh. Like what I saw in you know other works by the cinematographer. So I was, I was, it was quirky stuff, but it, it fit. So I was okay with it. Yeah. I like that. They kept a lot of the elements from the movie and the book, the iconic glasses, of course, the blurring concept without the glasses. I kind of, I like that. The coffee that Harry Palmer loves to make with the French press and all that. Nice. And the cooking, great. And the camera angles, which, like you said, Tom, I don't think they overdid it. I, I actually loved what they did with the camera angles in this. And I thought it was pretty much top-notch with what we've seen. And overall the quality of this production as they said in the briefing that we all attended we were lucky enough to attend with the actors and the director and and writer that this was really movie quality stuff and sometimes you see that in episodes where it's really well done cinematography and everything else this is really well done i thought yeah because for me i binge watched the series and then I watched the movie immediately after that. And the colors are brighter in the TV series, but the 60s graininess, I mean, they really captured this to make it feel like it was from the 60s. I, I think they did an excellent job with that for me. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at this from a point of view that I don't know too much about Harry Palmer. Yes, I've seen the Chris Fowle film. I haven't read the book. So I'm looking at this from somebody, I suppose, completely new, to this world of Harry Palmer. Okay. And I'm on mixed bag with it. There's things I really liked. There's things that, and I've only seen the first episode, so, you know, it may uh, grow on me more as uh -huh. I go through the series. 
but just from the initial episode, I was sort of in the middle with it. It, it was okay for me. When I'm looking at a series, and I'm, I'm just going to go on a, on a bit of a tangent here, but say, for example, on at the same time in the UK is Peaky Blinders that's on at the same time, which actually did star Joe Cole many years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, I always feel when that's gone off, I'm going, ah, at the, at, at the screen. Uh, like I'm waiting for the next episode. I didn't get that with this. It just ended for me. Uh, I felt a bit flat. Were you like that with the first episode of Peaky Blinders? Because this, the first episode has to set the stage for um, other stuff to happen in future episodes. Yes. Not so much like really like scrimmage, but like really eager to watch the next the next episode. Whereas at the minute, I'm, I've not even touched the next episode of this. But there are things I really liked and there are things that just didn't work for me. But as I say, I'm just looking at it from somebody who's just viewing Harry Palmer and this series for the first time. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I can go into detail if you want to. Or, yeah. yeah. So, so the last little bit there where they show that shop where he unwraps the the napkin, that didn't intrigue you to watch what the next one's going to be? No, I shall, but I wasn't like, oh, I need to go and see that now sort of thing. Part of it is if you're, if you're not familiar with Harry Palmer at all, I think that's good. you're looking at it from a different perspective than mm. someone who knows something about it, right? So if you've seen the Michael Caine movies from the 60s that Harry Saltzman produced and, of course, was one of the co-producers for the first nine Bond movies, then you have some kind of perspective. The thing we liked, I liked about the first episode here is that you get the background story and why he's in prison. You didn't get that from the movie because they didn't have time to do that in the movie to develop that kind of background information. Here you get that. And like Tom's saying, that's kind of like... The background stuff that sets everything up and if you're not really familiar a lot with the harry palmer stuff then this might be like oh well you know what's going on okay the guy's in prison so I don't know what's and and maybe not as exciting i thought it was exciting because now you're getting that story that you couldn't get in the movie and you're getting it here now the acting i thought was terrific some people think joe cole was too young for this However, I think if you look back at Michael Caine and Tom and I did and how old he was, right? Tom, he was 31, I think. He was 32 when it released. Yeah, 32 when it released, 31 when they filmed it. Mm -hmm. He was younger than Joe Mm -hmm. Cole. Joe Cole's like 33, I think, right? So Joe Cole looks younger, though. Some people look younger. And in the 60s, somebody who's 30 looked like they were 50, you know, because... Well, I mean, look at Sean Connery. He was 32 when he did Dr. Now. Yeah. And he does not look, I mean, if you compare him and Joe Cole, Connery looks a lot older than Cole did. And and that's part of the times, I think, and everything else. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the story, right, Joe Cole as Harry Palmer versus Michael Caine. Now, Michael Caine's movie came out in 65. Michael Caine's movie took place in 1965. This takes place in 1963. And in the first episode, you understand that he served some time in Korea. He also has a mathematics degree and so on. So it's like, how can all this fit with him being so young? Well, the Korean conflict was over in 53. So, hey, he could have been 23, 24 years old in at the end of tail end of the Korean conflict. And so that could make sense. If he's 23 or 24, he could have already gone to university and got his degree. So it does make sense, but he does look young. I will say that. But 
I think as you watch more of the series, you understand that that's okay. He is young, and he is inexperienced in a lot of ways in life, but very experienced in some of the <laughs> secret subterfuging ways of life, <laughs> which is good. I like it. Anyway. So, Vicky, I know I know that you have a different take on Joe Cole. So, on this, so why don't you go ahead and, and give us where you're? Yeah, um, I was trying not to because of recently watching Michael Caine as Harry Palmer. I didn't want to compare because I know Joe. Yeah. From from his interviews, he didn't watch Harry Palmer. He didn't watch Michael Caine's version, and he didn't want to do an impression of him. And that is always a worry that that could happen. Yes. And I didn't get that he was trying to do that, but I think from what what uh, Dan said, I I found that he was very, he just looked very young, yeah. and for him to, and I mentioned to be career uh, the career thing to have a failed marriage, well, it, it just didn't glue for me. But this is only the first episode that I have seen, so like yeah. you say, I, he may grow as I, as you know, grow into the character and grow for me as I watch it. Yeah. Because he's an exceptional actor uh, in other things that he's been in, so I don't know. I just felt a little bit disappointed once it had it had finished. Um, so how much how much of that disappointment is the way they wrote the character, and not him? Because the Michael Caine character was all glib and had a lot of one liners, where Joe Cole's Harry Palmer doesn't have that sense of he's, humor. He's quite expressionless, isn't he? Really, but uh, but. I, is that in, the acting or is that the direction? Is that the writing? Because that might be how he wanted to play it. That that might be how he's pla- he's decided to play the that character. I thought he was quite I think pale he is and playing, expressionless. I think he is playing <laughs> a flat character. I think yeah. that's what Harry Palmer is. He's not a glitzy guy. <laughs> he's no, I mean, the he's, he's the opposite to James Bond. He's a complete opposite, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an everyday guy. And he does have some some nice lines in there, but he delivers some kind of like british humor you know it's kind of like you know boom there it See, is but I, I didn't catch much humor out of him even throughout the whole series well there was some but it, I, to, to me it was kind of a this is we wrote him differently it's not humorous it's, I, I just thought he was he, he was trying to be clever through sarcasm hmm. well i mean when he when he yeah, in the first little. episode just when he's talking to the woman in his operation room where he does the smuggling stuff and yes. you know he, he she says oh you're in uniform and he says yeah but i take it off every night <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good true. line that's as yeah, funny as yeah. he gets right that's, yeah. that's as, and, and she says oh well, all by yourself that's as funny as he's gonna get but that's okay mm-hmm. I, i'm fine with that because that i think is the character i think he's a yeah I, I'm and for the for the age thing for me, because I'm like, boy, this guy looks young. But once I saw that he was 34, it became to, to me more realistic that he could have had those life experiences yeah. by that age. And then I decided to look up. Is what he 33 or 4? I don't know how old he is. What, what were the ages of the other actors who've played lead spy roles when they did their first movie? Yeah. So we had Kane at 32, Connery at 32, Matt Damon in Born Identity was 32. So that seems to be a magic time. Tom Cruise was 34 in Mission Impossible. Lazenby was only 30. But then Moore, Dalton, and Brosnan were all in their 40s. Craig was 38. And we didn't get somebody younger than him until 
Taron Edgerton in Kingsman, the Secret Service, he was only 25 when he did that. Yeah. But if you're thinking about it from, oh, this was my idea of a spy and their life experiences and how old they are, lately they've skewed older with the exception of Taron. And so it was, and again, he does look young to me, but once I saw that he was 34, it's like, yeah, he could have gotten through yeah. this amount of life experience. And, and that's really all we have to believe, right? Yes, he could have done that. Hey, in everything we watch, you got to have a willing suspension of disbelief, even in some of the Bond movies. <laughs> but here, I, I, I can say, okay, yeah, like I said, he could have been in Korea. He could have gotten his degree. I'm mm -hmm. fine with that. Some people look younger than other people, but that doesn't mean they don't have the experience that whatever age they are, they are, and they have the experience they have. Can you play that off? And I think he plays that off. And he's playing it off in this character set that is contained. He's a flat kind of character in terms yeah, and to of... Me, to me, he actually delivery. delivers well on that. Absolutely. He does. And going back to the differences between the movie, I think he was written different here. He's performed different. I didn't get a sense in watching this movie going like, oh, I'm missing Michael Caine here. Yeah, I really I liked that. I really liked the Michael Caine interpretation of it. But for me, it was like, let's wipe that out. And yeah. here's this new series. What is this to me? And I, I thought he did it well. But I, I think part of the disconnect there is that it wasn't written the same way. And so it, it didn't have as much fun. And we're going to talk about another character that that really comes in in our discussion here. So yeah. Yeah. any other comments about Joe Cole and uh, his version of Harry Palmer? No, I, not for me at the I'm giving okay. him thumbs up on that. <laughs> okay. How about Tom Hollander as uh, Dalby? Terrific. <laughs> See, there, that's, well, he just stood out for me. Uh, I like Tom Hollander as an actor anyway. And I just thought he was, he stole a lot of the scenes <laughs> that he was in. <laughs> and I liked how he just appeared. He just like, mm -hmm. you know, move the door and he's there. You know, <laughs> he's just like, he always seems to be like one step in front. Yes. You know, it always seems to know what's going on without actually, you know. And, and, I did like, did like his character. Yeah, how he protected the character. In his character, he's very confident in what he knows and what he's accomplished in his life and and what he knows about Harry. And, and, it, and that comes off in everything he does mm -hmm. and every scene he's in. You feel like, yeah, you know that guy pretty fast quickly you know his character and so he yeah he did a great job tom hollander did a terrific job yeah see for me for me he's one of these actors that i can't think of a miss that he's done no I mean, no he's, he's always really really good so mm -hmm. I, mean, I really like him i also thought in the movie his character was closest to the character in the movie than any of these other characters in in my opinion you know they were both very kind of conniving yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how, yeah. How, how they work things so I actually really like that, and he plays that kind of a role. Yeah. He plays yeah. everything well. He is the linchpin. He is the yeah. linchpin, really, in this, certainly yeah. in the early part of the series. Yes. He's he's the guy. It's not Joe Cole as Harry Palmer, really. It's Dalby who's setting everything up. Yes, he's and got so, a very, very big role in, in this movie. Yes, and, and in, the, in the series. And he does a terrific <laughs> I'm sorry, job. yeah, in the series, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
I, I like how he said um, when they were uh, having a meal that uh, myself and my friend will have the best of everything. Yes, uh, yes You know, yeah, he really uh, is quite affluent, really, isn't he? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah and he says that so <laughs> casually. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was terrific, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to me like they kind of melded the the Ross and Dalby characters from the movie mm-hmm. into this one guy, taking some of the the Ross traits and putting them into the Dalby as well, mm-hmm. especially with things like the food. Yeah, yeah. What about Jean? She has a much expanded role in the series versus the movie. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Well, I like the character. I thought she, uh, Lucy Boynton, is it? Lucy Boynton? Yes. I know yes. she was yes. in Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, movie. Um, it's an expanded role, and you can see that she struggles with being in like a male-dominated society. Yeah. Uh, she thinks she's got some sort of, they touched on uh, an engagement. Mm-hmm. I, I got the feeling that yes. somebody, well, I didn't I didn't get the guy's name. That's the other I was sort of looking for, but... I can't see if it's if it's some sort of like, like almost going to arrange arrange. But she didn't. I didn't feel the love between them at all. Right, right, right. And then he said that she once they're married, she she could stay at home. See, <laughs> yeah, it. She just looked mortified because they don't know what she does in a double life. Right, uh, right. They think she she uh, waits tea. Yes. I think the mom said the mother said uh, about. Uh, uh, waiting, like waiting tea, doing tea service. I'm sure. Yeah, clear, clearly, there's a disconnect in that relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think Lucy Boynton has, did a terrific job here because yes. the role in the original movie is very small. I mean, it's a it's ten percent of this probably. And I love the expanded role, and I think she plays it off really well. Her facial expressions when she's delivering these lines, when she's talking to Maddox. And so on, and he's asking her for to go to dinner. <laughs> that was a great. That was a great bit of acting there. She was terrific. Her facial expression said it all. I was like, no, that's not happening. And we want you to help us with this thing. And that's pretty much it. And yeah, I liked her a lot. She was great. Yeah, and, and they develop her character more throughout. Vicky, just so you know. Yes. And I, I thought she did a really good job, and. What she said in the press conference that we talked about in the podcast that we did on the press conference about how the role is expanded and how it's dealing with the fa- uh, women at that time yeah, and yeah. what their role, traditional roles were, how she's trying to break that mold. But like you say, Vicky, the, well, you don't have to work if you, you know, once we get married. And she's like, but I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I like her. Um, yeah, but she's good. And Dan, you mentioned Maddox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another, that's, that's Ashley Thomas. And that's another role that was kind of done for the TV series. So comments on, on him. I know it's great. I think, yeah. I mean, his first line is yeah, I'm black or whatever, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, it's almost his first line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When that's right. I'm black. Meets, is, or when he meets Gene. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought he did a good job. I thought he really did. There was, there was a black character in the film, wasn't there? But it yes, was only right. a very small part. Yes, um, yes. This is a totally new character that they've created. And I, I found that he was, he's was he got some secrets, surely. He didn't do a lot of looking out windows. And I, I got the <laughs> feeling that he liked to flirt with Jean. Yes. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, a chemistry going on there, I thought. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and in, in the book, there was a, a black character at the Atoll. Um, and that's done differently in the series, you know, so they brought him in and there were actually in the movie, there was another, there was, like you said, there was a, a CIA agent. I think he was, yeah, it was CIA agent 
that was a black character and I can't remember who played him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but they brought it in. They were right out front with, Hey, I'm black <laughs> and kind of intimating that in the sixties, you didn't yeah, see that right, a lot right. in positions of power and you didn't, and he was in a position of power or he is in a position of power. So it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting and he does a good job with it too. So yeah. 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 Yeah, because he's an English actor, isn't he? He's portraying an American. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's move on to Alice. And she was in the movie one of my favorite characters. <laughs> very small part in the movie. She always had a cigarette in her mouth. Yeah, she was very frumpy in the movie. <laughs> She's different here. Yeah. Uh, but not in a bad way. She still had her cigarette, though, didn't she? <laughs> she did, she, but she did. I don't remember in the movie, in the movies, if she ever didn't have the cigarette right, right, in her mouth, yeah. where they're, they've expanded her role here, and there are times that she doesn't have a cigarette in her mouth. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I actually I like the expansion they do it, did with her, but it also made me a little wary because one of the things we're seeing now is all of these films and stories where there's a team built, and you've yeah. got the what I'm going to call the administration person. Who all of a sudden has to do field work? Yeah, and we saw it with Money Penny in the Bond series. Yeah, you know, you've seen you know the role of Benji expanded in Mission Impossible, and it's the back office people taking on a forefront role. And Alice has a little bit of that through this series. It's not as much as what Money Penny did, but uh, still, I it, I kind of like you need to have the person in the back office. And I think these these movies, I don't know if it's just, hey, you know, we want to hire you. And and they brought in Anastasia Healy for this. And did was that a, you know, was that a, okay, we're going to give you more to do? I wasn't quite sure. I mean, she did it great, but it was it was an expanded role that I really liked the way it was in the movie. So Well, yeah. I anticipated they were going to expand a lot of roles because now they have time, right? They, yeah. You have an hour... But the, the original movie was an hour, an hour and 45 minutes, minutes or, or something, whatever, something like, that, like yeah. that, right? So, yeah. hey, now you've got almost no. you got five hours of five hours of yeah. time. So you, I anticipate, yeah, you're going to expand some roles. I'm fine with that because they're going to do more. You got you got more time to show more of their character. I'm okay with all of that. Yeah. Anything, um, Alice, for you, Vicky? I just, I just like sort of like the expressions of of. Palmer in meeting Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what was going through his mind to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I'm, I'm, she's a character who really sticks out from the film, like you say. It, you know, she's she's not a prominent character in the film, but she's always there. And and I did like the character in the film because she mm-hmm. was she was just a bit bizarre. <laughs> she was a bit yeah. in your face, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, but I suppose again, I've only seen the first episode, so it'd be interesting to see what you're saying there about her role being expanded. So I'll sure look forward yeah. to sort of seeing where that goes. Good, I'm giving you something to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I shall continue watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, I thought I, I thought the music too throughout the whole mm-hmm. series yes. so far it was terrific. The incorporation in the first episode of Walk on the Wild Side. Was, that was just awesome. I mean, you could see the whole prison scenario and walking on the wild side. He's already been on the wild side, Harry Palmer, with all his smuggling and stuff. And now he's going to really go on the wild side with this. I mean, the, just the wording of all that is like was terrific. It's how he lived. 
that song kind of represented, right? One day of prayer, six nights of fun. The odds against heaven are six to one. That's in the song. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah. selection. I hope they keep all of that and do more of that. And uh, Terrific. And all the background music I thought was spot on. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also like you just mentioned the, the, the prison scene is the prison guard there. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of the prison guard character in A Clockwork Orange. Oh. And yeah. how he would yell at, I can't remember the character name in, in Clockwork Orange, but yeah. he would yell at him. Very similar to the way this this guy does it yeah. in this in this series. So I really liked that. Oh. I thought yeah. that was good. That was a good tieback. There was also a tieback, I don't know if you caught it, Dan or Vicky, to the 39 steps. Yeah. So one of the characters is identified because he's missing a finger. Right. Exactly. Which is right out of the 39 steps. Yeah, I, th I thought of that immediately. It's like, yeah, okay, you can too. look for him. He's got a miss missing finger. It's like, okay, yeah. yeah. 39 steps, 1935. <laughs> we do get a bit of a Bond connection, don't we, with one of the uh, character, one of the actors from Di uh, No Time to Die uh, in this particular series. David, uh, David Denchik, yes. isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we, again, a good character, a good character actor mm -hmm. um, who I recently found out I don't know if any of you saw the uh, series Chernobyl when that came out. It was in that, yeah. Yes, he was Mikhail Gorbachev, which yeah. I had no idea because he's mm -hmm. such a good character. No yeah. idea. It's like, yeah, that he was then, and then, of course, then seen him as Valdo in, in No Time to Die. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, he's a good character actor. So I think they've got a good one there. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think he's very, very good. I don't like stock in this series. I, first, know, I knew you were going to say that. and I, 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 do, I don't think he was in the book. I think he was first in Funeral in Berlin, mm -hmm. which is the first movie we see him. And, I, and I'm pretty, I don't, it's been about two years since I read the book. So I, I, I may be wrong there, but I don't remember him in the book. And his character in the movie was this kind of, I mean, you liked him. He was like the bad guy, but you liked him. Yeah. And I don't get that out of this stock. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And it's, it, which bummed me out because I really liked him as Valdo. And I'm like, this would be for him, this would be a good add on to that type of a performance because Oscar Homolka was so over the top with stock in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Funeral in Berlin that I was hoping to see more of that out of stock in the series. And it is not. It's a, yeah. Now, there's a little bit of humor there, but nothing yeah. close to what we saw in the film. Yeah. Again, <laughs> if you never saw the film, then you might accept stock here and think, okay, well, it's it's okay. But yeah, if you saw stock in the film, Oscar Omolka, <laughs> he's hard to beat. <laughs> no matter what, <laughs> I don't care who you put in there. And so well, I think maybe in, in the, the character in the movie, my in the movie, my two favorite characters. Yeah. were to me very humorous was was stock and and alice yeah and so to see the, they totally did stock different I think and alice was a little bit different but she still had her kind of yeah. sternness to her the stock thing was probably intentional to change the character a little bit because they didn't want to go back and say hey we're going to beat oscar homolka on, on this one no so yeah and, and that's okay i'm okay again with that it's just but I know what you're saying. I mean, you don't have that feel for the character. Like you, you kind of love the guy in the movie, <laughs> even though he was the bad guy, kind of the bad guy, and in between somewhere, somewhere. But so, so Vicky, I'm going to ask you a question about the difference between being in the UK and the US. 
and how they're releasing this. So now when you see this, are you streaming it or is it a paid TV type thing? I actually um, recorded the channel. So I actually recorded the episode off ITV and watched okay. it back on the ITV hub. So okay. I'm not actually streaming it. I just watch, sort of watched it the next day after it, it aired. Okay. Because yeah, unfortunately for me, it's on at the same time as Peaky Blinders. That's <laughs> not, that wasn't very, that wasn't very so smart. Two things up against one another. So I thought I'll record it. But of course, you, you can watch it. You know, you, you yeah. can watch it all. But I'll say I've just done one episode so far. So I just need to persevere. Yeah, because I wasn't sure because I know that they've posted all the episodes on ITV, the on the website, so you can stream them all from there. But I didn't know about the delivery mechanism if it's being done as a weekly show there as well as being able to stream it. And so it sounds like it is a weekly show. Yeah, I think that's what they did. It's it's having mixed reviews in the UK. If I'm honest, uh, having a look at stuff, um, just all just just in general good good stuff good reviews and then some not not so good so i'm not sure you know how how you guys will receive it when it's fully going in the in america but um as i say it's, it's a mixed bag here at the moment okay yeah because for us it's it's a uh you know we, we, it hasn't hit here no. so yeah. you know, very few of us have seen it and mm. uh it uh so I'm, I'm not sure where, where that'll go because the the it's a little bit different style than what we normally do in a U.S. TV show. So it'll be interesting to see how that gets taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. So we'll see what AMC does with it and when they do it with it and when they have information on it. AMC Plus, if you're out there, let us know. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to say we had a lis- we had a listener ask us if we knew when this was going to come out in Latin America. And so far, they've not announced any plans around Latin America. It doesn't mean they're not working on it, but so far, they haven't announced anything. So we don't have anything to be able to add with that. But I imagine it will get further distribution. You know, streaming makes this very low cost to be able to add it into somebody else. All right, cool. For me, the series worked. There were things, I mean, like I said, the stock character was disappointing to me, but a totally different interpretation. Yeah. Um, Cole's interpretation of... Harry Palmer, I think was a little closer to the book than what Michael Caine did, but I liked both. And uh, I'm, I, I liked the series. Uh, you know, is it, is it the best series ever in the world? No, but was it to me an enjoyable watch? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say watch it. It's going to be fun. If you're a Len Dayton fan, if you're a Harry Palmer fan, you're going to love it. And if you're a Joe Cole fan, I think he's done a good job with this. And I would say when it comes out, it's worth watching the six episodes. It's, it goes pretty fast. Six episodes is is pretty fast. So, yeah. And Vicky, I'd love to hear if you watch episode two, if your opinion changes a little bit. Yeah. Because, well, yeah. One, one, thing, one thing I just quickly wanted to touch on was you mentioned earlier on about the, you know, the cat, the quirky camera angles. And I was so pleased when they put the first one in. I went, aha. <laughs> yeah. And then... Aha, but I'm not I'm not trying to try and be negative, but I just felt there was too much, too much in that first episode. And speaking to somebody else who I know, they thought it if it said halfway through they felt seasick. That's what they said. Oh really? Well yeah, just a bit too much, I just thought for the first episode. I, I like it and I think it was done really well. It, it keeps you know, going. They, it was really good how things were in the foreground and there was a blurred background and, you know, it almost led you to believe that things aren't what they seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just felt it was used a lot and maybe sometimes less is more, in my opinion. But 
I'm going to stick with it, you know, and I shall continue and hoping that, that it grows on me. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we've seen Tim Maurice Jones's work in the past and he gets kind of that way, the quirky shots. And some of it really scared me. I mean, some of the fight scenes in the 355 were hard to watch for me because of the way he does these angles. I didn't get that in this series. Yeah, it wasn't definitely different, but it wasn't as weird as what I saw in the 355. Yeah, didn't bother me so, either. There, actually, was, there were definitely some quirky angles in this thing. Were, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the shots through the peephole. We see that a couple times. Uh, reminiscent of the keyhole shot in the movie. The shot through the locker. The I, I thought they yeah. were actually smoother than in the movie. And, and yeah. so I didn't get nauseated or anything. I thought it was actually... <laughs> I thought they were kind of smoother. The I, I, I just... I like them. I, just, I like that sort of quirky cameras, but I just felt there was a lot, one after the other, one after the other, just all it all together, which had just been, you know, as I say, like less is more. But, yeah, I mean, is that something that they continue with throughout the rest of the, the series? I would imagine so, because it's part of it, isn't it? It's what, what we know from the, the original film. Yeah, I, I liked it because I thought it brought you into the shot. I, I thought it brought you and involved you into, into the, the shot more yeah. than a regular shot. Yep. All right, that's a wrap. Go watch the ITV series, The Ipcris File. It's fun. You'll have a good time. This has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Hey, share with your friends on social media about our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. And follow us on YouTube as well. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.